as we're kicking off today and we're looking at God's favor, the scripture passage for this is Romans 8, 28, the verse for the whole series. And it says that we know that what all things, everybody say all, and we know that all things work together for good, for who? For those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, when we begin to realize that called is kaleo, to be legally summoned by God, we realize that called means you're chosen, you're selected. And the beautiful thing about God, he didn't just select certain people to be Christians. He selected every human on this planet to become sons and daughters. It's up to us if we receive or reject that plan. It's up to us if we turn our back on God and say no or if we say Yes, he paid the same price. The Bible says, whosoever shall believe in that name and confess Jesus as Lord shall be saved. Not this person, whosoever. God loved us so much before his son came. Why wouldn't he love us so much even if we never accept his son? He paid the price for everyone. But so many don't understand the favor that we walk in. In. You know, there's a certain amount of God's favor you walk in even before you come to Christ. I mean, the very fact of the favor that he sent his son, that's, that's favor, right? And, and the very fact that like me and, you know, my boys have heard it a lot, and you all have heard it, been here, you know, totaling three cars and partying out of two colleges before the age of 21. I remember one time going home and wee hours of the morning, this first car, this, this first new car I had, and man, I'm flying down this little road to get to to, to my house and, and I come out of this little straight stretch and I just remember I always just this little straight to me is a big deal it wasn't even a quarter of a mile but man it was just about a half mile from my house it didn't matter what time I cranked that car open man that little V8 and, I, vroom, and I'm just this and then I'd get close to where I'd see this big house with a stone fence and you had to go around this sharp curve about a 45 mile an hour curve I'd start slowing down right before and eat slide around that curve and then boom pull in you know little ways I wrote pulling them the house but one night I remember man I kicked it and I'm like whoa and somewhere through that little straight stretch I passed out and it was just for a, few, a second or two and when I looked up I saw myself going through this two-story brick house I was like oh god I woke up and I don't I just started going doing this locking it up and I'm doing this and this God is my witness I, slide, I started in a slide, and this, this wasn't an embanked curve or anything, and I was in 360s, I don't know how many I went, and I went like, like this table. I'm coming up to this curve on a straight stretch, and I'm just 360-ing. I see house, rock cliff, house, I mean rock mountain, house, rock mountain, and I end up sitting perfectly on my side of the road, just down from the driveway of where I lived. You tell me that's not favor. You see, you got favor on your life no matter what stage you're in. You got favor on your life no matter where you're at. Now, that's not the best kind of favor, right? That's a limited favor. You know, you got a season. But man, when you become a son or daughter of God, it's an unlimited season. And it's about walking in God's favor. A lot of times we think about walking in God's favor and it's just like we're going to walk in it magically and never have any problems and never have any situations or circumstances and, and everything's just going to get better. But that's not the way it works because when you're walking in favor in the good or bad times, you have to recognize favor. 
Favor doesn't mean you won't have problems. Favor don't mean you won't, you won't have junk, you won't have stuff. But favor is always there if we can see it. You see, I only see what I believe. It's not about believing what you see. Because you could be looking at something or someone and already have in your mind an opinion, and you're going to see something they may not even be. And you've seen those little tests with paintings and different things, and, you know, it's two or three different images, and you can only see one of the image. Why? Because our brain processes stuff, and we, whatever we believe is what we see. You see, we think that when we're walking in the favor of God, nothing ever happened bad or anything like that. But what I want you to realize is that that's not true because why? Here's what I want to get, and then I'm going to get into this with you. God operates ambidextrously. Ambidextrously. And he can, he can work just as well with his right hand as he can with his left hand. You say, well, what's being ambidextrous? What's that about? Well, you see, we know through science, and uh, we know through science. Oh, man, I wanted to use this, see if it would hang in there. We know that through science that... Whichever hand, whether you're right-handed or left-handed, as we would say, is your strong hand, not your weak hand. It's your go-to hand. It's the hand you throw a ball with, shoot a gun. It's the hand you write with, and so on. And most people are, are right-handed, and then some weird people are left-handed. But most people, just seeing if y'all awake, y'all awake. You know, Pastor Mark's left-handed, and he had to go out there. And Pastor Steph, she's with children, she's left-handed. So I'm all right for about 40 minutes, all right? So anyway, so, so, so you know, you have your right hand, your left hand. Most people are right-hand dominant. What's ma what makes that right-hand dominant is the left side of our brain sends a message to the right side of your body, a powerful message, and it's a stronger message from that side of the brain to your right hand, and it gives it more accuracy and strength. It's your strong hand. And then if you're left-handed or left-hand dominant, the right side of your brain sends a more powerful signal than the one going to your right side, than the opposite side, and the right side sends a, a powerful signal to your left hand, and it becomes your strong hand or your powerful hand. So if I'm defending myself, I'm going to defend myself with my right hand. If I'm pulling something to me, I'm going to pull something to my right hand, if that's my dominant hand. The same with the left. Now there's another kind of uh, 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 that, uh, uh, thing that talks about our strength in our hands, and that is to be dual-handed. Some people are dual-handed. And what, what does that mean? That means that they can do certain tasks with strength or accuracy with their right hand and certain tasks with strength or accuracy with their left hand. So like me, for instance, I throw a baseball with my right hand, but I shoot pool with my left hand. Don't tell the boys' friends that because they think I'd beat them left-handed. But anyway, so if I shoot a gun, I'll shoot left-handed if I do certainly. But if I'm writing, I write right-handed. I'm mainly right-hand dominant, but sometimes I'm dual-handed dominant. So, you know, I can do certain tasks. But the ultimate thing is, and most people, there's very few even on the planet that we know of, and that is people who are ambidextrous. And ambidextrous means this. It means they can use their right or their left hand. And when they use their right or left hand, they use it the same with the same power. You know, with me, I'm stronger with my right hand. I'm weaker with my left. My strength, my power comes from my right hand, not my left. It's my backup hand. It's, where, it's a weaker hand. 
And what I want you to realize, if you're ambidextrous, what happens is there is no weak hand. There's only two strong hands. You can have them throw a ball with their left hand, throw a ball with their right hand. They can play a guitar with their left hand. With their right hand, they can write, throw a pen to them or a pencil. They can write the same with the left as the right. If they got to defend themselves or do something, it doesn't matter. Whatever hand is handy, they can take care of it. They can drive nails as a carpenter with their left hand or with their right hand. What are they? They're ambidextrous. What I want you to realize is your God is not left-hand dominant or right-hand dominant. Your God is not even dual-handed dominant, where some tasks he's stronger with his right, some tasks he's stronger with his left. If he were, that would mean at times he's weak with the other hand. There's no weakness in your God. He's omniscient, all-knowing. There's no weakness in your God. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. There's no weakness in your God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, all the time, anytime. No, our God is an ambidextrous God. He's equally strong with his right hand as he is with his left hand. And a lot of times when we're measuring out favor and we're walking through it and we, we base our favor on the good conditions we're living in or the bad condition. The good times versus the bad times. I must be in God's favor. I mean, I must be praying right and fasting and pre, you know, studying the word and doing and giving. I mean, then you're doing all that good stuff and bad times hit because the Bible says rain rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Rain rains on the just and the unjust. You live in a cursed world and you're going to have to go through some stuff no matter what. And you've got to realize that walking in favor doesn't mean you have more or less favor because you got more stuff you're dealing with. Because what I want you to realize when you come through your stuff with God, He comes through it with you and you are stronger because He's with you even after you came through your stuff. There's been seasons in my life and times in my life I've shared here that I pastored this church for over probably 12, 10 years or whatever, and I went into a season about 11th year, and I went into a little season of depression. It wasn't really a little season. It was probably two or three years, and it, it took me a while to even realize what it was. And there was, I could sit here and try to give you reasons, and there was some things, but really the main thing was, I'll do it in a minute. The main thing was is just, just a lot of stuff, and you get wore down, and the enemy starts making you think he's winning. But see, when you start studying the Word, you realize that the Bible says Satan grows dimmer and dimmer day by day. Satan is really getting weaker, not stronger. But how do you see do you see your problems bigger than your successes? Do you see the eight things you do right, or do you see the two things you miss? You see, the enemy wants to get you focused on your weak hand, not your strong hand. He wants you to look at God like sometimes God's weak for me, sometimes he's strong. No, he's equally strong with both hands. He's God and we're not. So what I want you to realize is, is as we begin to go forward, and I'm just setting you up today for this series of walking in, favor. If you turn to Job with me, Job chapter 1, I want to illustrate something for you about how easy it is to be set up for the battle or to be set up or drawn in by the enemy. And Job is a great illustration. Before you bring that, just yeah, bring those up here. And I used to box a little bit. I wasn't that good. I boxed a couple years and traveled and did that when I was in high school. My brother was the real tough guy. He was the one, the man that just, you need to stay up here because I need somebody to punch on. And, uh, and your wife said it was fine. She wanted to do it too. So 
she said for me to go on and do it for you. Kimberly said, just take care of him, Pastor, for me. He was, he was late the other day, just get him. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. So what I want you to realize, when we look at the life of Job, we really see even how the enemy sets us up. It's kind of like a boxer or a fighter because what happens is when you go through the tough times in your life, you can look at it as being set up and you can allow yourself to be discouraged. And when you get discouraged, it's easily to be disconnected. And when you get disconnected, it's easily to depart. Because when that which is precious to you becomes ordinary, be careful. It's soon easily to replace something or someone else. Right? So if we want to keep steady and focus on what's important, God, family, health, so on, and you know, touching others, then we got to realize that we can't be set up by the enemy, we need to set him up. So when I boxed a little bit, hold the things up, and you know, I can do this a couple swings, that's about it, because you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not in shape. But, but here we go, so what's the enemy do? Here's the way the devil works, just like a fighter would. If I'm right hand dominant, I'm gonna use my weak hand to set you up. Same thing the devil does to you, he uses your weak hand to set you up. He uses places you're vulnerable, whether it's your temper, or your opinion, or your attitude, or or your selfishness or offense, things to do with us. He, he don't attack your strong hand off in the beginning. He's attacking your weak hand. And what I want you to realize is the devil will set you up like a fighter. If I'm right-handed dominant, I'm not going to just come out and start welling with my strong hand. What am I going to do? I'm just going to, I'm going to set you up with my weak hand. And I want you to realize we can do the same thing that the devil, he's trying to do to us. So the devil, here's what he do. You know, if you're going to fight in your strong right hand, I'm going to what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to like just come in here and I'm going to set it up. And I'm just going to set it up. And I'm just going to set it up that weekend. Boom! I'm going to come across with my strong hand. Why am I doing that? The reason I'm doing that is because I don't want to waste my punch. The reason I'm doing that is the strong hand is only strong if it's set up. Because if he's weaving and bobbing and I'm just missing him and I'm missing him, why is he going to worry about fighting me if I can't hit him because I don't set him up and set myself up? It's the same way for a person that's left-handed dominant, right? They're going to lead with their right hand. They're going to lead with their weak hand. They're going to lead and then boom, setting up for the strong hand. You see, what I want you to realize in life and walking in favor just because you're in the middle of a weak season or just because you're in the middle of a time of being attacked or you're in the middle of a time your income or your family, your health or your giftings are being attacked, just realize that doesn't determine whether you have God's favor on your life or not. It really determines are you taking the enemy the way he sets himself up against you and turning it on him. You see, because really, if James was, act like you would be boxed, just hold up like if you were boxing me, which is your dominant hand. Okay, so set yourself up. Okay, he said, it's not fair, I got big mitts. But just set yourself up. So if I see that, am I just going to come right up here and say, okay, devil, boom, and you hit me, boom. You know, you'd see that in grade school. Kids, even some high school guys, right? haymakers. You know, and you got some little guy, and he's up, boom, that's it. Why? Because he's not missing. You know, when you get in a fight, you don't come up and go, okay, man, I'm going to give you my best punch. You're going to watch that dude. If he's coming at you, you do certain things. If his feet are a certain way, if I look at his feet, I can tell if he's left-handed or right-handed. I can tell what I want to do, how I want to approach him. 
I got to look at the way he's set up. But see, if all I ever see is my problems and my weaknesses and my weak hand, I don't set him up properly. What I'm trying to say to you is you serve an ambidextrous God. You serve a God that whenever Satan picked a fight with you, he really picked a fight with God. And when you understand the fact that the setup, it's a fixed fight. Favor is a fixed fight. And when you understand favor is a fixed fight, you will have the discernment of how to approach the things you're weak in or the things Satan is attacking, and you're not always wasting your best punch. Give, give James a big shout. I'll keep these. I may come back for these. So what are you saying, preacher? We serve an ambidextrous God, right? We serve an ambidextrous God. Turn with me, if you would, real quickly to Job to Job chapter 1, I already asked you to do that, but you can do it again. And uh, what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is I want you to trust that God is working things out on your behalf that you cannot see. God is working things out on your behalf that you cannot see. You may not always see what his plan is for your life until you get to the place you're supposed to be. You may not always see the plan he's working out for your life until you get to the place you're supposed to be, your destiny. So what I want you to understand, guys, this morning is a lot of times we're wanting our answers and God's really giving answers and he's helping you to go through this stuff, but you don't feel like you're getting the answers you need. But when you come through your weaknesses or the weaknesses of others that attack you, and you bring God through it with you, or he, you allow him to come on a journey with you, you're always stronger afterwards. I know when I battled that time of depression and finally identified what it was and, 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 and began to get some counseling and really zeroing in, it really, I didn't even realize there was a weakness in me because I was so busy doing things I love and doing the things of God. And I didn't even realize the enemy started wearing me down and I was fighting him with my weak you see, you're, you're, you're over here fighting debt with your weak hand. You're over here fighting, you know, that, that problem in your relationship or your marriage with your weak hand. What you need to do is realize, like Muhammad Ali did when he fought George Foreman, and George Foreman was young and Ali was old, and, and what did he do? He came up with something, and he, no one expected him to do it. They thought he won't make it three rounds. Foreman is this beast of a man in shape. He's been just cleaning everybody out. Muhammad Ali's older, it's the end, and what happened? They just expect him not to go two or three rounds. If he did, he's going to be so beat up you wouldn't recognize him. But what they didn't realize is Ali had a different plan. He took George Foreman's strength and turned it into a weakness. He got himself on the rope, they call it the rope of dope, and a lot of you older guys, and he tucked his body in to where he couldn't have any organs hit, and he protect his face in the middle of his body. And he just, I mean, Foreman's like, because Ali danced around, he was hard to hit. And man, Foreman to get him against the ropes, he couldn't get to his back because of ropes. And he's just for like three rounds pounding on Ali. And he's thinking, man, I'm getting somewhere. All he's doing is hitting his gloves, his arms. And yeah, he's scoring some points here and there. But he just is giving Ali his best. 
his best. And I want you to realize the devil is bringing his best at you, but it's still not good enough. Favor is when the devil brings his best at you. And you might be in the rope-a-dope. You're still fighting, but you're in the rope-a-dope. And when Ali saw his feet get slower and slower and the shadow, he wouldn't even look up. He'd just look at the shadow and time the speed of his hands. And all of a sudden, when he decided to peek up and start pounding on, on Foreman, all of a sudden, Foreman thought he was, Ali was the young, strong guy. And he's lifting Foreman off the ground and hitting him. And it was like hitting a bag. He took the strength of George Foreman and set him up with it. And when it was the right time, he gave him the strong hand. And I want you to realize it's time for you to set the devil up. It's time. He can't have your marriage. He can't have your kids. He can't have your health. He can't have your calling. He can't have your money and your stuff. No, it's time to access, to identify, to see the favor of God and step into it with a full force and begin to wear out the enemy with the strong hand. Now, the advantage you have in Christ, your weaknesses become strong. When you look at I'm weak in prayer, I'm weak in worship, I'm weak in getting into the Word. If you will apply yourself, Christ will step into your weaknesses and make them a strength. Because greater is he who's in me than he who is in this world. So when you're struggling with something and you give it to Christ... And he's going through that lust with you. He's going through that anger with you. He's going through that quitting spirit or that bitterness with you. And you're letting him lead you even when you miss it and mess up. You're still focusing more and more on him and the identity of who you are in Christ. That all of a sudden you're going to come through that. And it's not only going to be that you're free, but you're going to have a ministry to set people with the same weakness free. Because greater is he who's in you than he who's in this world. And when you begin to do that, you begin to walk in Romans 12 too. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. His perfect will is for you to win every time. But even when it looks like you're losing, even when they thought it was over for Ali, and they're starting to feel sorry for him, then they saw his plan go into action. But when you start fighting the devil without a plan, it's hard to see favor. When you know that he'll come through for you when it doesn't look like there's a through or an opportunity, look out, trust God, even when you can't feel him, even when you can't hear him, even when you can't see him, and all of a sudden, mountains will start moving and seas will start splitting on your behalf. But even then, you've got to take a step. You can't stand still. Hallelujah. How much time I got? I'm, anybody know? Amen. Okay, let's, let's do this one passage and then we'll pray. So I want you to trust that you may not always see the plan of God for your life, but until you get in the place you're supposed to be. Look at me in verse 6, Job 1 verse 6. Now Job's the oldest, is it the oldest book in the Bible? Or one of the top two or three oldest books. I think it's the oldest book. It was really before Moses and the law even. Before we even started classifying what sin was. Job is one of the oldest, if not the oldest books in the Bible. And so we see that Job and God are talking here one day. It says, verse 6. One day members of the heavenly court, which are the sons of God, the King James says, 
came to present themselves before the Lord. Can we turn to AC young brothers and sisters? Yay, I say. And came to present themselves to the Lord before the Lord. Look now. So the sons of God are coming to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. I mean, you imagine that, man? The devil is showing up at worship service. The devil is showing up in the message, the sermon. The devil is showing up in our home, in our prayer closet. The devil is showing up in our bank account. Of course he is. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's always going to be popping in and out. But what you got to realize, what's happening inside you is greater than what's happening to you or around you. And begin just keep focusing on God and his favor on your life. So he says here, Satan came with them. In verse 7, God said this to him, says, Where have you come from? The Lord said to Satan. And Satan answered. God knew where he came from because he just kicked him out of heaven not long ago before that, right? But it says he's, here's what he says. And Satan said to the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. So that shows us right there that Satan's not omnipresent. He had to patrol and move around. He's not with you all the time. He's got little weak imps that follow you around and weaknesses that spirits that follow you around. But Satan's not like God, omnipresent everywhere all the time. We give Satan way too much credit. Then it says this, it says he's been doing that. Verse 8, then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? Well, Bible scholars tell us that Job is a type and shadow of Christ, right? He's, he's a type and shadow of the coming Savior, Jesus. And so God says, if you notice my servant Job, and says, God said, he is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man com with, of complete integrity and fears God and stays away from evil. You see, Satan's not going to look at the nine things that's good about you. He's going to try to find something. He didn't know anything bad about Job, but he's going to give it a shot. So verse 9, Satan replied, yeah, sure, God, yes, but Job has a good reason not to fear God. You always have uh, put, all, put a wall of protection around him and around his home and his prosperity and his property. You have made him to prosper in everything he does, God. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away his stuff, his possessions, and he will surely curse you to your face. So now here's where people get goofy because this is the first attack on Job, right? And, and God's there. But, but look, this is really important, verse 12. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Ooh, ooh, ooh. God tested him or the devil? All right, who? You, Satan, may test him. You may test him. You see, you live in a cursed world and you got tests and you got things that you got to fight and things that attack you and natural weaknesses and all this stuff. But what I want you to realize, guys, is God's not putting it on you. He's an ambidextrous God. He is not strong and weak and weak and strong. He is strong and strong. There is no weakness in God. He's ambidextrous. And what I want you to realize is, is that Jesus said it best in John 10, 10. Satan comes, but what? To steal, kill, and destroy. Now draw a line. And he said, but I, Jesus, have come to give life and to give life more abundantly. Devil kills and steals. I give life and restore. I give abundance. Devil lies. I am truth. Devil bad. God good. 
And if we want to walk in the favor of God, even when we're fighting with our weak hand and it seems like we're losing the fight and we're losing the fight of our family or our finances or our health or whatever it is we're battling and it looks like just hang on, God, if he's got to, I've seen guys with one swing win a uh, 15-round fight. One swing. It just takes one opening to win it all. But what you got to realize is the Bible tells you all the way at the end, you already win. The Bible says we ask from the bodies to be present with the Lord. The question is, who's your God? And, and so even if you die in a sickness, you don't lose because you just beat everybody else to heaven. There is no way when you're a child of God that you can lose. The only way you lose is in your own mind. But if you're a child of God and you tough it out, you're going to see the glory and the majesty of God no matter if it's 10 years or 60 or 90 or 110 years. You can't lose. It's a fixed fight. Favor is a fixed fight. God has a racket going on called eternal life. God has a racket going on because you, you, even when it looks like you're losing, you still get the champion's belt. God has a racket going on. When everybody's against you, he's still got the fight rigged for you. And even if you can't see him, guess what? The devil definitely can't see him. And sooner or later, he's going to give you one strategy to knock out the devil. I just want you to know you're living and walking in a fixed fight. But most Christians think it's fixed against them. Every time I try to do good and I'm setting up my strong hand, I get a hook to the jaw. I get an uppercut to the chin. I'm on, I got to get back up and fight again. Champions, the only difference between them and losers is champions keep getting up instead of getting knocked down. Yeah, they get knocked down, but by the time they hit, they're still coming back up. And I want you to realize you are a champion. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. You, it's a fix fight you've won it's not about winning you've won but you've got to hear and to walk in the strategy that daddy has for you so God said all right test him the Lord said do whatever you want with everything he possesses but don't harm him physically so Satan left the Lord's presence you see to wrap this up, I'm just opening the series today, but to wrap this up, Satan was convinced that God, that Job would curse God. But here's the truth, he never does. His friends cursed God, his wife cursed God, his wife and friends tried to get him to curse God, but he never cursed God. And what I want you to realize, no matter what's barking at you, your body, your friends, your relationships, your marriage, your calling, your career, whatever's barking at you, remember, it's just a bark. If you'll trust God and hold on, he'll give you a strategy to use your strong hand. Even if he's got to use the famine of your weaknesses, even if he's got to use your dry places, even if he's got to use your uh, horrible places he can take your horrible places and turn things in your favor and make you a champion that delivers other people from horrible places you just can't feel like I'm that child that God doesn't love or God doesn't like and it's fixed against me most Christians feel it's fixed against us and it's not next thing I want you to realize is is that Satan, what Satan didn't realize is, is when he, like I told Jerry, when he picked a battle with Job, he picked a battle with God. And then finally, 
what you come through, God comes through with you. When he comes through with you, you're going to be stronger for it. Because I went through a little season of depression, I'm stronger. I'm a better husband. I'm a better Christian. I'm a better father. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better servant. Because sometimes we just keep going. It was like win after win after win. I'm just wearing that right hand out. And then when I had to fight back with my weak hand, my right hand was wore out for a while, my strong hand. And I'd been walking in faith and just knocking the devil out and pounding on the devil in every area of my life. And then I saw this thing pop up and that thing, and it just didn't go because I didn't have the big punch to give it. I'm just kind of pecking it. And before long, I'm and I'm just kind of blundering through life, except getting my ready for, self ready for services and just kind of blundering through for a couple years or so. And, but man, when God touched me and staff and others began to get through to me, man, this is not you. You're just, you're battling something here. And I realized, wait a minute. I believe the lie of the devil that he's stronger than God. I believe the lie of the devil that he's stronger than me. Not stronger than God, but that God's favor may have waned for whatever reason. And I hadn't done any, I hadn't cheated on my wife, I hadn't stole money, I hadn't done anything. And the devil was beating my brains out over stupid stuff. And, and you know, you're just going through life and, and stuff happens, right? But man, once God just gave me that truth and stirred up in me, all of a sudden, man, I got my punch back. And now I'm stronger than ever because I don't use my strong punch all the time. I set the devil up. Oh, oh, you're going you're gonna to try to do that? Okay, devil, I'm going to check you out. I'm going to set you up. Because here in a minute, I'm going I'm to let you run your mouth, devil, for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to let you affect that relationship for now. But guess what I'm getting ready to do? I'm setting you up. And man, when you get tired of doing your little antics, bam, I'm going to KO you, devil. And you got to realize, sometimes you KO him on the first punch. Sometimes it's a 15 round. But guess what? It's a fixed fight. You win. Anybody believe that this morning? Does anybody believe that this morning? So as we get ready to pray, here's what I want to leave with you. I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you looking for a life? Are you looking at life through a healthy place or from a perspective of good conditions and bad conditions? Are you looking at life from a healthy place or, or more from good or bad conditions? Good things happening or bad things happening to you? Because you'll live a yo-yo life, if that's the case. But if you'll live it from a healthy place, no matter whether I have to use my weak hand or my strong hand, no matter even if the devil's used my weaknesses against me, God can turn it into a strength if I'll just hang on and keep in the fight and keep fighting. We can't allow the good days and the bad days to determine the end of the game. We, if you're a basketball player and you're a shooter, what do you do? You keep shooting. If you miss a few shots and you're a three-point shooter, you're going to keep shooting until the coach ties you under the bench or runs you to the locker room. Because you know you might have missed eight shots, but you might hit 16 straight. But you'll never know if you quit on a fifth shot. Christians quit too soon. I'm not saying quit God and walk away and give up on God. I'm saying quit too soon about walking in God's best for your life. Walking in the truth. Walking in the freedom. Walking in the joy and the peace that passes your understanding, that goes beyond what you could think or imagine on your own, that somewhere lean not on your own understanding, but on God. And God's peace passes what you know or could know. His peace passes any knowledge or understanding you could possess. 
In Romans 23, verses 8 through 10, it says, look, Job says this. He says, look, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he, when he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. Look at that. Even when I can't see him, even when I can't hear him, I still trust the fact that he still knows where I'm at. Because he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. And it says, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as go. Not when God's tested him, man, when the devil's tested him. He said, I will come forth as gold. I want you to realize as we get set up for next week, I'm going to talk to you about how to have favor in the midst of famine. But I want you to realize this. Just as attorneys need to practice law and doctors practice medicine, Christians need to practice favor. Favor needs a practice. You need to practice. I'm not just talking about practicing your layups. I'm talking about treating the illnesses of bitterness, the illness of unforgiveness, the illness of, of hatred and bitterness, the illness of doubt and unbelief, the illness of fear and offense, the illness of, of physical sickness and financial oppression and all those things. You need to, you need to come out and practice your faith. Put a, put a sign up that this is not a medical practice. This is a favor practice. And realize that whenever you're going through, this is not just some trial study. When you're seeing the patient, it could be you. When you're, see, when you, you're seeing another patient, it could be someone else. But the main line is, the main thing, it's not dependent on your strong or weak hand. It's dependent on God who's ambidextrous. He doesn't have any weaknesses and strength is in both arms of the Lord. And when you begin to practice favor, when you can knock him out with your left, knock him out with your right, the devil doesn't stand a chance. But you only believe what you see so what do you see today